0: Hi, my name is Deanna Carpenter, and welcome to Emerging from the Dark. I am a childhood sexual abuse, domestic abuse, and human trafficking survivor. Today, I will be discussing what is a sexual predator. Child sexual predators are not usually the weird guy at the park or the scary looking man in a trench coat. As many as 93% of victims know their abusers. A sexual predator can be a coach, a teacher, a clergyman, a family member, or even a close family friend. In other words, sexual predators blend in with normal society. Seven year old Megan was raped and killed by a known sexual molester who had moved across the street from her family without their knowledge. In 1996, President Clinton signed Megan's Law, which required each state to notify the public when a sex offender resides in their area. Now, all 50 states have some kind of sex registration law. While this is a fantastic tool for law enforcement, it does not list all sex offenders. Each state has their own laws and requirements to be listed on the sex registry. Each state also has their own duration length. Many states also allow offenders to petition for release from the the registry. In addition, if a predator has not been caught or entered a plea deal in which the conviction was not a sexual offense, they will not be listed in the database. We also know sexual abuse is highly underreported. So, what do we do? How can we identify predators? Child sexual abusers can be male, female, young, or old. They can be from every socioeconomic class, ethnicity, and religion. According to 1in6.org, child sexual abuse is the result of abusive behavior that takes advantage of a child's vulnerability and is in no way related to the sexual orientation of the abusive person. Predators tend to find jobs working around and with children. They also often try to volunteer as coaches, scout leaders, or any other position that will put them in close contact with children. They will befriend people with children and hang out in areas where there are children like malls and parks. Speaking of malls and parks, there are some instances in which stranger danger does happen. While most victims do know their abuser, We know there is a small percentage of predators who are going to be strangers. Be wary of adults who are trying to talk to your child when you are not near. Another red flag is if the person has been accused of child sex abuse in the past. Oftentimes, the predator will will disclose this themselves in order to make them seem more trustworthy. They will lie about the facts or find a way to be the victim themselves. To protect your child from a stranger, use a code word or phrase that only you and the child know. This will help keep them safe from strangers, at least. But how, what are some other ways that we can protect our children? Well, remember, sexual abuse can happen to children of any race, religion, culture, or socioeconomic group. And when I talk about children, I am including teenagers and preteens in that we know that there are predators out there that prey on the teenagers and the preteens. Unfortunately, predators don't walk around with a sign above their heads announcing their intent. That's why it's especially important to know who is around your child and be aware of how they are interacting with your child. While this may result in you being an overly suspicious parent, it is always better to be safe than sorry. Many child-serving organizations that have a sex scandal that involve grooming like the Catholic Church or the Boy Scouts have now developed policies where children are not allowed to be alone with adults. Be sure you can recognize the signs of grooming. In the fall of 2011, Penn State University assistant football coach Jerry Sandusky was charged with 52 counts of sex crimes against young boys. This was a coach that was highly regarded in the academic world. As the investigation unfurled, the public learned that Sandusky had been using grooming techniques to target and abuse Vulnerable young boys that he came into contact with through his charitable foundation designed to help at risk youth. Since the Sandusky scandal, the term sexual grooming has gained a wider public awareness, but it's really important that you, as parents, know what these behaviors constitute and what grooming can look like and how they can be identified. A broad definition, sexual grooming refers to the behaviors that a child molester employs in preparation for committing the actual sex abuse against a child. It's estimated that half of those who abuse children use grooming behaviors. Grooming not only involves the manipulation of the intended victim, but also the child's parents and the community at large. On the surface, child molesters who use grooming techniques often appear charming and kind and helpful. And they're usually very respected members of the community. So oftentimes their behaviors are very difficult to identify and in many cases appear innocent. It's only after the abuse is disclosed that the behaviors are reinterpreted in the context of sexual grooming. For example, Sandusky was often praised for his work with young boys through his foundation. Victim selection, the first stage of sexual grooming, often involves victim selection. Studies have found that victims are often selected due to their perceived physical attraction, ease of access, or perceived vulnerability. Children who have less parental supervision are at particular risk. Child child molesters may also target children who have low self-esteem, low confidence, or who are unusually trusting or naive. Again, Sandusky, for example, worked for at-risk youth who lived in single-parent homes. During the second stage of grooming, the offender seeks to gain access to the child by separating them emotionally and physically from their parent or guardian. In cases where the child molester is a family member, they have much easier access to the child. In fact, in almost half of family abuse cases, the abuse takes place in the child's bedroom after everyone is asleep. When the abuser is not a family member, the access stage becomes more complicated. The predators often take positions in the community where they can contact minors without suspicion, volunteers, teachers, coaches, um, and many of these will work with at-risk youth. They may also befriend single parents, single moms, single dads. They'll be very helpful, offer to pick the child up. (coughs) Excuse me pick the child up, or take the child and babysit them for a while to give the parent a break. The third stage of grooming is gaining trust. The abuser has to gain the trust of the victim and their guardian or parent and also the community so that they can engage in the abuse without detection. During this stage, the offender works to gain trust of the intended victim by giving them small gifts, special attention, and sharing secrets. This makes the child feel special and gives them the belief that they have a caring relationship with the predator. These types of behaviors will change depending on the age of the child. For younger children, it may involve playing games or going on outings, getting presents. While for teenagers, it will involve discussing their personal lives, gaining access to cigarettes or drugs or alcohol and sharing secrets that they don't tell their guardians. During this period, the perpetrator may also work to groom the guardian and parent not to believe the child by telling them that the child is acting out or telling lies. The next stage is desensitizing the child to touch. This is generally the last stage of grooming before the actual abuse begins. During this stage, the abuser increases the non-sexual touching that will prepare the child for the abuse. They may hug, snuggle, wrestle, tickle. If it's a younger child, maybe set them on their lap and talk to them. Um, Maybe taking a bath or shower together, swimming in the nude, drying a child off with a towel, giving massages or showing the child pornography. At this stage, they may also start discussing sexual behaviors and content with the child or teenager so that they feel more comfortable with this type of material. The ultimate goal of sexual grooming is to provide the perpetrator the opportunity to offend against the child without detection. Some have gone undetected their entire lives. Uh, Some get caught quickly. In Sandusky's case, the crimes went on for over 20 years before anyone spoke up and he was apprehended. The sexual grooming techniques will confuse the child as they believe the person to be a friend or a parent-like figure, and thus they may fear that if they report the abuse that their special relationship may end. The abuser may also use threats and coercion. Once the abuse starts, starts to suggest that the victim, um, no one would believe them or they'll be blamed for the abuse because they wanted it. Uh, The abuser has um, groomed the victim's guardians and parents and community to trust the perpetrator and they may not be suspicious of the grooming behaviors or the sudden changes in a child's behavior. The key to understanding grooming is that It is very hard to detect when it's happening and many of the grooming behaviors in and of themselves appear completely innocuous and in many cases they are. In fact, research shows that people are generally quite poor at identifying grooming behaviors before it's revealed that abuse has occurred. It is only in hindsight that the behaviors appear suspicious. Similarly, by knowing about grooming practices, parents must keep the lines of communication with their children open and talk to them about these types of behaviors so that children know they can report anything to the parent without fear of reprisal. <clears throat> with the understanding of sexual grooming comes some concrete suggestions for parents for keeping their kids safe. Children should not go alone alone to outings or overnights with adults that are not immediate family members. If a child goes with a family member, then it's always best that another relative or child goes along with them. Minors with cell phones should not be receiving personal text messages or emails from adults in the community. If a coach or teacher uses text messages for communication, the text should be directed at the entire group of students and parents. Do not encourage secret keeping in your house. Explain to your child that if another adult tells them to keep a secret from their parent, that it's wrong and they should always let you know and that you will not be mad. Talk to your children about grooming behaviors on their level and tell them that they should always tell you if anything another adult does or another child does that makes them uncomfortable, let them know that you will always believe them and take their concerns seriously. Be wary of adults that show special attention to your child. While coaches and teachers may choose to single out one exceptional talent, it should be in the context of the activity and they should not be providing your child with gifts or treats that are not bestowed on all of the children. Be cautious of adults that touch your child unnecessarily. In some sporting activities, coaches may be required to touch the child to position their bodies or spot them, but let your child know that they should tell you if any adult is touching them in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable or doesn't listen when they ask them to stop. Be involved and interested in your child's life. Ask about their day. What was the best thing that happened to them? What was the worst thing that happened to them? What did they learn? Share your day with them. Make them feel included in the conversation and not like they are being interrogated. Get to know the people in your child's life. Who are their friends? Who are their parents? Meet the parents of your child's friends. Screen babysitters and other caregivers. Ask for references, ask questions, and run a background check. Don't be afraid to talk to your children about stories that are on the media. They see these things too. You need to keep it on their level, but many of them have seen or heard other stories that are going on, maybe in their school or in a friend's school. And if that's the case, They may have questions and let them ask those questions, and if you don't have the answer, help them find the answer. Encourage them to speak up. You empower your children when you listen to them and encourage them to talk to you. They will feel more confident in speaking up when something isn't right. Teach boundaries. Do not force them to hug or kiss grandma or Aunt Sue. Remind them it's their body and they have the right to say no. Remind them that they do not have the right to touch someone else if they don't want to be touched as well. And remind your family and friends that if the child does not want to hug or kiss them, do not shame them into it. It is the child's decision whom they want to hug and kiss. Teach your child about their body. Name the body parts. Reinforce that it's their body. This gives them the ability to come to you if something is wrong and accurately describe what's happening to them and where it is happening. Be available to your children. Set aside one-on-one time. Let them know they can come to you with questions or if someone is making them feel uncomfortable. Let them know they're not going to get in trouble. Many predators use secret keeping or threats as a way to control a child and keep them quiet about the abuse. And finally, give them a chance to talk. Let them choose the topic of discussion and practice active listening by asking questions and clarifying what they say. Even if it's some crazy off the wall idea, let them talk about it and show an interest. This will Prove to them that you are open and that you are interested and that you believe what they say. The best way to protect your child is to empower your child with a voice. The knowledge that they can say no to any adult or any person who wants to touch them is powerful. Abusers use their positions of power to coerce and intimidate children. Abusers may tell the child that what they're doing is normal. Abusers often place the blame on the child by saying the child enjoyed it or the child enticed them by looking so beautiful or handsome or not wearing enough clothes or the clothes they were wearing were sexy. If manipulation doesn't work, abusers often use threats. They may threaten to hurt or kill the child's family or the child themselves. They will tell the child that no one will believe them and the child will be sent away. Again, empowering your child and giving them both a voice and the confidence that they will be believed can help your child speak up if they feel something is not right. Child sexual abuse is not only a physical violation, it is a violation of trust and authority. If you are being abused or suspect abuse, please call the National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-422-4453. That's in the United States. If you are not in the United States, you can go to my website at www.emergingfromthedark.com. And I do have a page of resources there for international countries. And if you are a survivor needing help, in the United States, you can contact Rain R-A-I-N-N, at Rain R-A-I-N-N, dot If you're interested in contacting me regarding speaking engagements, if you have questions or comments on today's podcast, please visit my website, again, www emergingfromthedark.com and leave me a message. I will be getting a message line here soon, and as soon as that's up, I will let you all know so you can start leaving me voicemails as well. Please stay interested with your kids and give them the tools that they can protect themselves when you are not there to protect them. Thank you.